When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Is what Josh Dobbs is doing for the Minnesota Vikings sustainable? That's honestly the biggest question right now. It's been a phenomenal seven quarters from uh, the quarterback out of Tennessee. But can he keep it up? Is what he's doing sustainable throughout the course of however long he's a Minnesota Viking? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Denver Broncos, what to expect, and what we can take from that Monday night win against the Buffalo Bills and how we can potentially exploit them to win on Sunday night. Welcome to The Real Farno Show. Welcome to The Real Farno Show. Hosted by Tyler Bornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack Run In Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I am your host, Tyler Forno. With me, as always, top right corner, he is producer Dave. Dave, how are you? I'm doing great. It's been a wonderful day. As as I was telling folks in the chat before the show, it's a beautiful day here. We got out first thing this morning, Justin Day's podcast, Purple and Gold for Days. His podcast only debuted over on Vikings First in School. I shouldn't say debuted. He it came out this morning over on Vikings First in School podcast feed found anywhere, any aggregator you have, it's there. I just got finished doing a little while ago. Who will be king? The NFC North roundup as we get together and we talk about the NFC North. That is a blast. Ask Justin. He loves listening to that show. It can only be found over on our Vikings First and Skull podcast feed. It was fun. And of course, yes, we picked on the Packers, the only NFC tour. NFC North team to lose this last week, and hopefully they will lose this week as well. But first, I want to welcome everybody that's in the chat already. Sean, Josue, Bob, Raymond, the lovely and beautiful Miss Mary, my wordless opinion. Who else am I missing? The good doctor is in the house. Clifford, Forlorn, and Purple Poopy Pants, who was first to remark, Harmsy, and anybody else that I miss, thank you for joining our show tonight. And Tyler is going to break down what he saw grinding the film. And we're talking Vikings football. Yeah, absolutely. And this Vikings team is very fun. It's also very weird. Um, it It's something we should be used to, though, because the Vikings have had success with backup quarterbacks for a long time. You look at some of the recent NFC Championship game appearances. 1987, backup quarterback, Wade Wilson. But that was more of an ambiguous one because he kind of took over the starting job from Tommy Kramer at times, and then Tommy Kramer took it back. But in all honesty, when you kind of look at the overarching theme, it was Kramer and then Wilson was the backup. Okay. 1998, Randall Cunningham. Brad Johnson breaks his leg in week two against the Rams. Randall Cunningham comes on in and almost has a Hall of, or sorry, not a Hall of Fame, an MVP season. And something that I honestly think you could argue was a catapult to him potentially getting into the Hall of Fame. He's not there right now. He just isn't. And 
that's okay that he isn't there, but we should probably have that conversation that, you know what, maybe he should be. And then you have 2017. 2017, the Case Keenum year. And, man, those are some fun seasons. Backup quarterbacks. Backup quarterbacks nearly, nearly led the Minnesota Vikings to Super Bowl berths. But, for multiple reasons, didn't happen. Could Josh Jobs be the next guy? What we what we saw in the first game we talked about, you really can't take a lot from it. Why couldn't you take a lot from it? Well, you didn't know the offense. And we talked about, and we called it street ball. And TJ Hawkins had kind of made a reference to that in the locker room. It's just one of those things. It's hard to take anything serious as far as projecting out from that game because, well, not a whole lot was going on. And they were theoretically like just trying to get through because Dobbs didn't know the playbook. He didn't know his teammates' names. So those nuanced details make it so you kind of have to throw it out as an anomaly. Now, 12 days in in practice in the building against the Saints, he ran the offense. Yeah, they may have not had the entire playbook available because he wasn't 100% confident with it, but they ran the Kevin O'Connell offense. It wasn't like a super watered-down version of it. It was the offense. And that is when you can start taking taking things really seriously. Why? Because he's he's acting like the quarterback of the football team. He is doing all the things that you need excuse me, from your starting quarterback. It's not cosplay. It's not, hey, you're doing this. You're not just playing Madden, as uh, Dobbs called it, because basically he was describing concepts. O'Connell was describing concepts to Dobbs, like you would see on Madden, curl flat, where you have a tight end or wide receiver go into the flat, wide receiver run a little curl. That's how those concepts are called on Madden. So that's basically what, they were saying uh, over the the headset, all right? Now you're running the, the playbook, and he's calling plays in the huddle. And all of that matters because now you can start to project, okay, this is what he looked like when he was calling plays, when he was running the offense. How is that going to translate moving forward? How can you extrapolate some of that and look at how you can project him out? I wrote an article for Vikings Wire earlier this morning, and I broke down the All-22, talking about specifically what he did and what was sustainable. What, Dave? Vikings Wire. For those that do not know, what is Vikings Wire? Well, I'm the managing editor. It's uh, uh, USA Today's Vikings coverage. and USA Today, as in the national newspaper? Yes, Dave, the national newspaper. Uh, you know, I, I should just say Vikings it's a production. Dave, you really did pour a stiff drink today. Maybe, I, I, maybe, maybe I should get in contact with your daughter and have her take it away from you. <laughs> I don't hey, even know I would I'm contact just trying her. To promote. There is no better coverage of Minnesota Vikings in the written form. Then from this man, Tyler Fornis, over at USA Today's Vikings Wire. So if it's not part of your daily feed, it should be. Just saying. Yes. 100%. Um, So let's kind of talk about Dobbs. Um, If you want to follow along, I recommend that you pull it up. It's... the, The game itself was interesting because the Vikings really struggled to run the football... A lot of that had to do with the running backs really not knowing where to go. Um, they were struggling to find the hole. They were struggling to make things happen. Uh, Ty Chandler, when it was a gap play, so gap run, it's like, okay, you're going to run through the B gap, and we're going to open that hole for you. It's easy. It's point and shoot. It's like target practice. You like you go to the, the, the gun range. You've got a target 50 yards in front of you. You're aiming directly at that target. Easy stuff, right? Zone runs are a little different. 
It's like shooting. It's like trap shooting, shooting a clay pigeon. Somebody throws the clay pigeon and it moves and you have to find it and hit it while it's moving. And that's what a zone run is. Everybody's moving and then the holes will open up and you have to find it, adjust and fire. Chandler struggles with that. So does Alexander Madison. But the second you get gap stuff involved where Chandler, all he has to do is I'm running here. I just got to be patient, wait for the block, and then go. Yeah, he's pretty good at that. He is pretty good at that. And the running game wasn't great, but it did have some explosive runs. Chandler had one for 12, one for 11. He had one for 29 that was called back, that Brian O'Neill holding call. So it was weird because if O'Neill just goes like this. Oh, I moved the camera, Dave. Yes. If he just throws his hands up, then it's not a flag. The reason why it was a flag is because he's he goes for the block, and then he ends up just kind of like, like almost like hugging the guy. He didn't pull him down. The inertia momentum of the defender brought him down. But it looks like a hold. If it looks like a hold, they're going to call a hold. So yes, that's why they are calling. But that was a very nice run from Chandler, and that what that is what he brings to the table. Can he consider, like, can, can you really trust him to do everything? Right now, no. And that's, but he may get a chance on Sunday with uh, the injury to Alexander Madison. They believe that Madison could play on Sunday, even though he suffered a concussion against the Saints, uh, because they, he's progressing through the protocol really nicely, and that it could end up helping. We'll find out. We will find out if that ends up occurring, all right? But the running game wasn't quite there. And because the running game wasn't quite there, um, Dobbs had to do a little bit more. And that's okay. This is a passing-oriented offense. It's one of the better passing offenses in the National Football League. The running game's not there. I will say, those of you that are Dalton Reisner fans, Reisner did not play well. He did not. Um, he allowed a lot of pressures. He struggled to, to really, uh, stand out in pass blocking. And it was just really frustrating. Um, you would like to see better from him, to be honest, but the offensive line as a whole allowed only eight pressures, which is very good. Considering Josh Jobs dropped back almost 40 times. Overall, this offensive line played really well, and it allowed Dobbs to do a lot of different things. So let's kind of talk about him, all right? The reason why you want to take a look at conceptual stuff and not necessarily the results, okay? You're going to hear this a lot, especially with analytics. Process is better than results. If you do the, the right thing every time, you're going to get better results over the course of time, and it may not occur right away. But it will occur eventually, and you will reap those rewards. It's like saying please and thank you when your mom is telling you to always say that. Being polite matters, and it, it doesn't necessarily impact you at the moment. But if people view you as a nice, respectful person, you're going to see benefits down the line. It's the same conceptual idea when you're talking about how to project forward with, the, with football. Are they doing the right process? And yeah, there's a a myriad of things that can tell you, hey, it didn't work. It wasn't successful this time. But you can use those processes and talk, okay, we'll be successful moving forward. And I think some of the things Josh Dobbs is doing shows that he can be successful in this offense moving forward. So let's talk about it. First thing I want to talk about is that play early on. It's the second drive of the game, um, that deep ball to Addison, the corner route, that almost gets intercepted. Well, it almost got intercepted because Dobbs had the balls to throw it. And should he have thrown it? You can make an argument he should not have thrown that football because it was tight coverage. And But he, he had the, the trust in Addison and his arm to be able to throw that. That will sometimes end up in interceptions. And you know what? Those are the interceptions I did not criticize Kirk Cousins for because he trusted the situation. He trusted the player. And sometimes you just throw a pick. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with throwing an interception at times because you have to be able to trust the guys that you're throwing to. Okay. 
the reason why I liked this is for what I stated earlier, but also he doesn't have chemistry with Jordan Addison. He doesn't have the intricate details of knowledge when it comes to routes. Maybe he's he's not 100% sure where the end point is for Jordan Addison on that corner. Maybe he just guessed wrong. And if he were to guess right and just throw it like three yards farther in that uh, uh, kitty corner direction, that's, a, that's more of a bucket catch for Addison. And you don't have to worry about uh, the defender getting hands on it. So when that gets developed, that's going to impact things a lot more. Because... You're going to have more chemistry. You're going to be able to work with him. And you're going to be able to hit things with more, with just easier in general. So I like that he's having that trust already. The throw wasn't reckless. It could have been smarter and it could have been performed better. But the process of believing in your arm, which he's, look, he doesn't have an elite arm. He has a Kirk Cousins-esque arm where he can do some of that stuff. But it's not going to be like, wow, like you would do with guys like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. It's not that kind of arm. And that's okay. Not everybody has that kind of arm. But Dobbs is able to offset some of that by being able to be mobile and be smart in the pocket. And because he's mobile, that will offset some of the stuff. Like Kirk Cousins. Cousins is not a mobile guy. He can escape the pocket every so often, but he's not dynamic. He he, kind of runs... Like like a dad, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not going to be, it's not going to be a game breaking level in the National Football League. That's the difference between him and Dobbs. Dobbs can do some things on the ground, and he can create for himself. And let's kind of move on and talk about something that's going to come up a lot. Well, Mary had a good question here. What is your okay. biggest concern about Dobbs or with Dobbs? Mary, I'm going to get to that later because I, I want to kind of go over some of this signal stuff. And then through uh, through the process of that, that question will be answered. So I, I'm, we're going we're gonna to keep chugging along, but I promise you'll get your answer. One thing that's interesting to me is when you talk about mobile quarterbacks, okay, you're talking about guys like Michael Vick, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. That's where people's minds go. And one of the frustrations that people have is, Why are you just running the football? You should be trying to throw down the field. Yeah, your running is great. But if you throw down the field, it's more efficient, keeps you safer, all this and that. Here's what really impresses me with Josh Dobbs. He's always trying to beat you from the pocket, even when he ends up scrambling. It's not because he wants to. It's because that internal clock goes off and he knows he has to or he gets pressured. He's not looking to bail the pocket. He doesn't want to bail the pocket. He wants to stand in there for three, four seconds, fire the ball down the field, and let his receivers do the work. That's how you play quarterback. That's a good thing. And I think how he's managing the pocket, not understanding the playbook fully, and not having a comfort level with these receivers like you would like a quarterback starting in the NFL to have, I think that's objectively great. And you don't have to worry about him doing this or him doing that. He's already showing you that he can stand in the pocket, take a tough hit, and move forward. That's great. You don't get that a lot from quarterbacks. Sometimes you don't even get that from Kirk. Like, there were times where he just turtled up in the pocket. Oh, I'm getting a little pressure. Fetal position. And and I'm not saying that is an insulting thing. That's something that we had to deal with with Kirk Cousins for a long time. Kevin O'Connell kind of broke that part of his brain. And he doesn't turtle that much anymore. He tries to slide up in the pocket, escape the pocket a little bit. Dobbs, so far, has not turtled in the pocket one time. He has backed into a sack, but he has always looked to get out and smartly gotten out more often than not. That's going to translate because he's looking to beat you through the air. He's looking to try and drive the ball down the field. And he doesn't want to scramble. He will. But, Dave, he does not want to. And that process is very, very good. Look at Lamar Jackson right now. Lamar Jackson's doing some of the same things. Lamar Jackson right now is the MVP of the National Football League. The way he's playing, he is – you could argue that he's better than Mahomes. I don't think it's a great argument. 
but you could have it and nobody's going to call you absurd. Mars playing great. The offense that he's in with Todd Munkin is asking him to do a lot more as a passer, asking him to stay in the pocket, and they're still using his legs. But Lamar is playing fan, fan, fantastic. And that's the kind of process that Josh Dobbs is using. They're using the same process, and I think that's great. Now, let's kind of continue on talking about this pocket presence because it's not just about standing in the pocket and finding a real open receiver. It's about standing in the pocket, finding the open receiver, and going through your progressions. He's already going through full field reads, and he's been in the building for 12 days. Dave, that's pretty great. Some quarterbacks can't go through full field reads without getting uncomfortable in the pocket. And one, the play that I, I highlighted. careers, they can't. Mm-hmm. The plays that I highlighted are um, Brandon Powell the, hit, hits a return route on the left side. And he go, it's a right-to-left progression. So Dobbs gets the snap. He looks immediately to his right. And then he works towards his left. And by doing that, he goes through uh, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, and then Brandon Powell's running a return route. So a return route, go straight, break out. Plant your foot in the ground and then push back to the inside. That's why it's called a return. And Powell gets open, catches the ball, about 10 yards, first down. But in order to get there, Hawkinson had to look, look, look. Oh, there he is. Perfect. I got an open guy. Fire. That matters. Being able to work through those progressions and being able to do some of those things. Kirk Cousins was really good at going through those progressions. Sometimes he went too fast with those progressions, and that was one of the things you well, we talked about, where he would go too fast and not allow guys to get open quick enough, and then he would go to the check down. And that was, that was a frustration. It mostly remedied itself uh, at uh, last season, which is great. Yeah, it manifested itself in the playoffs. I don't care. That was a one-off. Throughout the course of the year, it's fine. And I think it's it's really good to see that he's already doing some of these full field reads. And can he keep it up? And that, that's really the overarching question here. Can he keep it up? And that's why we're talking about process. Because this process is easily repeatable. It's easily attainable. With the Vikings' weapons and offensive line, Dobbs doesn't have to be elite. He just has to be good. And I think that matters here when you're talking about this process. And one of the reasons why Kirk Cousins ended up being pretty good for this team, because he had great surroundings. And that's not a diss on Kirk. If you put Patrick Mahomes with these surroundings, just imagine how good Patrick Mahomes would be. Yeah. It's great. Brock Purdy isn't very good conceptually, but he's also got phenomenal surroundings and an elite play caller. So theoretically, he looks better because of that. All that matters. It all matters. And Dobbs has been playing good football. And I'm hoping he can keep it up. Just like Dave, I hope we can keep up our our, uh, subscriber count here on YouTube. Because we just broke 1,600 subscribers after being in business. Eight months as of yesterday. Yesterday was the eight-month anniversary of this channel. We thank all of you for subscribing. If you haven't yet and you're listening for the first, second, third, or 400th time, Thank you very much. Please hit like, subscribe, ring the bell, because we're going to have a lot of extra content coming for you. I'm starting to reach out to people to talk about interviews, and we're going to talk about prospects, and we're going to do little short shows. 10, 15 minutes, we'll talk about a prospect. And sometimes it'll just be me and Dave. Sometimes it'll be me, Dave, and a guest. And you're going to want to hit Dave doing poetry. Yeah. Slam poetry. Hey, slam poetry. Jordan Love stinks. Bing. There we go. Uh, you're going to want to subscribe. Y'all. I can't wait. We have a, a secret project in the works with me and rap. For those that know me and rap. I did the lyrics writing. He's doing the vocals. He's got a friend that's doing the music. Just to let you know, we're driving to get that done. And you'll love it. 
because it illustrates this season something terrible. And you'll be the first as members to hear it and see it. Yeah. And I, I will say, I will highly recommend as well, becoming a subscriber to the YouTube channel. It's a great way to support us monetarily. And you're going to get extra content as well. Spoiler, some of these bonus episodes will be for subscribers only <laughs> before they become public. Speaking that's of gonna rap. Be something that, that's going to be something that you're going to want to know because they will be public for a short time. Or sorry, private for a short time. So you're going to get first access. And for just a few bucks a month, it's a great way to support us. But even if you don't want to do it monetarily and you're like, you know what? I can't afford to spend any extra money. That's fine. Like, comment, subscribe. All free. Does not cost you a cent, and but it helps, helps us out greatly. Mm-hmm. And we, we sincerely appreciate that. Now, let's ha- let's keep up this conversation with Josh Dobbs because I want to talk about the Denver Broncos. One the of the Broncos. things, Dobbs, we talked about the, the pocket presence, okay? But it's the creating outside of structure. And the pocket presence and the creating outside of structure kind of go hand in hand here, Dave. Why does it go hand in hand? Well, relatively simple. If you're able to stay in the pocket and be patient, then you can take advantage of some of those things. And once you do escape the pocket, then you become a weapon. And becoming a weapon outside of the pocket is great. And one of the things that was really, really impressive with Dobbs, the first play we'll talk about, he breaks the pocket and then Hawkinson's covered. Okay. So Dobbs is in the pocket. So it's a bunch formation to the near side. Okay. We're going left to right on your screen. All right. Two receivers up top, one of the motions in the backfield. And then you have three down low. Okay. So of those three, Hawkinson is like running a, a shallow out. All right. No big deal. He runs that route and then he sees that. Cousin, or sorry, not cousins. Dobbs is trying to uh, trying to make things happen in the pockets, not there. So he escapes, tries to create. Well, the guy Hawkinson ends up going towards Dobbs in the middle of the field. Then he comes back, and when he comes back, his defender comes off of him, and they go and attacks Dobbs. Now this is why it's important. They're not going to do that to Kirk Cousins. You know why? Nobody's going to believe Cousins is going to be a threat running the football. Dobbs is a threat to run the football. So now you're putting this linebacker in conflict where he's on Hawkinson. But now he has to worry about Dobbs because Dobbs could easily just run and get the first down and he could do some damage. So in that split second, he's got to make the decision. He chooses Dobbs. Dobbs throws it over him, complete to TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson muscles his way down inside the five, nearly a 25-yard gain. Great stuff. But it's all little details. It's all little details. Because he stays in the pocket and tries to make something happen. When it's not there, he escapes. And he keeps his eyes downfield. There was a uh, play where he ended up running the ball that I highlighted on Twitter. Where he, he kind of escapes just outside of left tackle. But he starts moving forward. And he flips his hips like he wants to throw it across his body. He flips it. Tries to, see it's not there, and then he runs around the corner. Eh, picks up five, six yards. But he's trying to attack down the field. And that process works. It's great, Dave. And I want to continue to see that from him. I think like that kind of stuff is awesome. And then we can talk about the touchdown run. Touchdown run, you have three receivers up top, two receivers down low. One of the receivers up top is Madison, uh, comes back into the backfield, drops back, looks around, can't find anybody, but sees that something's opening up. Uh, he starts to move forward, kind of backs around, and then goes left side. He doesn't. He looks like he doesn't want to run the football. Looks like he wants to throw it. Makes a point, and he rounds the corner just a little hard, puts his foot in the ground right in front of safety, Alante Taylor, and then explodes out of it and hits and rounds the corner with ease, gets a touchdown. Little details, little details matter. It's like a, it's like getting a filet mignon. Well, if you don't put salt on it, is there going to be a ton of flavor? 
like it's just a little detail. It matters when you're cooking that steak. It matters here too. That little stuff is awesome. Filet mignon is known to be for its tenderness more than its flavor. Now, you can treat it right and flavor it ahead of time. My grandfather used to do a, what we called peppered steak where we grind whole kernels of black pepper, smash it into the filet. Then he'd take the filet, stick it on a 1,500-degree cast iron skillet, get the sear, then take it in for the final cook. Oh, my God, was that so good. But the, the whole idea of a filet is you can cut it with a fork, and it's good. Now, will the Vikings' offense be that way, where they can cut any defense with a fork? And hopefully Joshua Dobbs is the answer to that, and the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All this sounds pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. And we're we're gonna uh, talk about some of the, some of the other things uh, as I mentioned earlier. But there is one thing that we need to discuss that has not been discussed yet: the addition of running plays. Okay, you're going to utilize Josh Hobbs in the running game. You have to. It keeps defenses honest, but you don't need to do it a lot, and you don't need to be really consistent in doing so. Okay, so RPO. RPO stands for run pass option. Okay. The idea of the RPO is you read a certain defender, and it's usually a linebacker. What is the linebacker doing? Is he staying in, is staying back on his heels, or is he attacking forward? If he attacks forward, you uh, it's a read option. So you hold the ball out to the running back, and then you pull it back, flip your hips, fire the slant. Sometimes an RPO is, hey, we see a look. We're going to take a screen because maybe it's like it's three receivers on two corners and you feel comfortable with that matchup because then all the receiver needs to do is pass those two and it's a one-on-one against the safety. Maybe you can make something happen. Like those are the type of plays. Now, a read option where you hold the ball out and you read that shallow defender, which is an edge rusher, that isn't always an RPO. And that's something that you consistently see like commentators, oh, it's that RPO. No, they're not all RPOs. Most RPOs have that read option action. That doesn't make it an RPO. So here, what they did was, I think, really creative. It was the run early in the game, so third and two. He fakes the ball to Chandler, but Chandler does like a counter action, okay? So Chandler's standing on his right. And what he does is the mesh point's on the right side. So Chandler kind of moves towards Dobbs. And then Dobbs pulls the ball back, but then Chandler puts his left foot in the ground and explodes around right end. So then he gets the seal block and allows Dobbs to get like five yards on a first down and acts as like a fullback, lead blocker. That's the kind of creative stuff that you can do with Josh Dobbs. And they ran that play that got Ty Chandler to touchdown where Josh Dobbs goes goes into the slot and Chandler runs wildcat. You can do that with a guy like Josh Dobbs. Because Dobbs is a is a good runner. He's a talented football player. I like that. Th- these things matter with Dobbs. And I'm really excited to kind of see how they end up manifesting themselves long term. And it it's it's fun. It's good. This Vikings team has fun elements about it. And now, And I had early conversations before the show while we were waiting, and somebody mentioned that uh, they wanted to see Jaron Hall. And I agreed. I want to see Jaron Hall, too. But that all depends on, first, I want to see Josh Dobbs do his thing. And if Josh Dobbs is doing his thing and we're winning, Jared Hall's going to have to wait to the offseason. But what we see so far from Josh Dobbs, we're liking. And that's a good thing. So I want to push back on that a little bit. As a, as a general construct, Dave, 
There is a real possibility that Jaron Hall is going to get another start this season. And let me explain why. And this is also what we're talking about with some of the things that I don't necessarily love about Dobbs. He's never been consistent in the league. And that's why you have to kind of keep it at arm's length for now. And that's why I'm not willing to talk about a contract extension or he's the quarterback of the future. He's never been able to sustain any form of success. And that's why this is his fifth team in 12 calendar months. That does not mean he can't. It means he's never. It, me- it means he's never done it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Hall is better, but I do think that we have to keep it at arm's length and just be cautious, o- cautiously optimistic with where things are at with Josh Dobbs. It's a fun ride. Case Keenum was great in 2017. Never came close to it again. Even after he got the big contract in Denver. Denver dumped him after a year. But he got and paid. And Roger makes a point. Does he have? Oh, he absolutely got paid. And we're not talking about making money. We're talking about being successful on the field. Has he ever had the weapons that he has now? No. And that's why you can be cautiously optimistic. This is his best surroundings ever. But that doesn't automatically mean it's going to work long term. It could, but you just be careful, be cautious, watch and let it happen. Don't automatically think it's a yes or it's a no. Keep an open mind. Same goes with Hall. No, absolutely. And uh, I'm getting to that point. The reason why Hall could end up getting the start is because when you have Hall and you have Dobbs, and Dobbs hasn't always been consistent, if Dobbs has an awful football game, like let's say he just goes to Denver and is atrocious, throws three picks, and the Vikings lose by 15. Let's say hypothetically that happens. Jaron Hall's healthy. Why not give him the start against the Bears Monday night? Because, oh, you got one and three quarters really good games out of Dobbs. You saw Hall have have some success in the short time he played against Atlanta. Well, you just saw that Dobbs may not be able to sustain this whole thing. So why not give Hall a chance? And I think that's how Hall gets it, outside of an injury. That's how Hall gets another start. That makes sense. And I I think you're not going to go to Hall if Dobbs keeps up to this success. Why would you? You ride the hot hand. If this was Hall doing it and you brought in Dobbs, you don't start Dobbs over Hall. You keep Hall in there. Whoever's playing really well, you don't just replace them unless it's like, oh, Josh Dobbs. Oh, but Kirk Cousins is healthy. Well, then you play Kirk. It's one of those, like, you play the starter over a hot backup if the starter was playing well. That's just how it is. Now, one of my real concerns with Dobbs, and it's something he's been inconsistent with throughout his whole career, but I think there's an an explainer to it. It's ball placement. And we talked about it with that first point. The ball placement wasn't there to that to, on that Addison throw. But why wasn't it there? Is it because of the lack of chemistry? Yeah, it probably was. But is he going to be able to develop enough chemistry with these guys where it ends up balancing out? And I'll say this, Christopher, as you say, coaches don't go flip from quarterback to quarterback week to week. We're not saying you bench Dobbs and then you go to Hall and then you go right back to Dobbs. We're saying if you believed in Hall, he got the start in Atlanta and he played well, if Dobbs tanks, then you can go back to your young guy and be like, okay, we're going to see what you've got. And then you, I would say at least two games. And then if he completely bombs, then you reevaluate. But the flipping quarterback week to week, I would agree. I don't think that's necessarily great. But right now you have to ride with Dobbs. And that I think that's how Jaron Hall would get back into the game but let's talk about some of this issues with the ball placement that's my biggest concern and if he can develop that chemistry which you could argue he's never really had a chance to develop that chemistry which is why I'm not going to say oh he's just atrocious at it he's never been good really good at it but you can also have explainers well Kirk Cousins had pretty good ball placement but he also had great chemistry with the receivers when you have great chemistry with receivers, ball placement comes naturally because I know where you're going to be. 
And I know you're going to be at this spot, so I need to throw it at that spot. Easy stuff. But developing that chemistry takes time. It takes reps. It takes practice. It takes having the confidence that every time there's a 12-yard out route, Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson, et cetera, et cetera, are always making their break at that 12-yard mark because that's how you're going to throw the ball. Dobbs, I'm not saying he doesn't have that confidence, but it's likely that he doesn't because of how little he's actually played with the Minnesota Vikings. And when you play a small amount, it's hard to really develop that chemistry. Can he develop it? Absolutely. But that's something I'm going to really keep my eye on. How is he going to continue with that placement? Is he going to stay comfortable enough running this offense? Is he going to be able to grow within this offense? They're all real questions, and they're all fair questions. Can he sustain this? I genuinely don't know. The signals of his process from the Sunday's game against the Saints tell me that if it, it's a plausible outcome, it could happen. But he's also a backup. He's never been trusted to be the guy. That could change. Nor we'll has see. he had KOC and, as you mentioned before, the surroundings that he has now. That that goes the, in his favor. But. And the question is, does if Dobbs becomes that guy, does this make KOC, you know, the proverbial quarterback whisperer? And we now are very happy as Vikings fans because we have a coach that we know can take a quarterback who may be flawed but has certain aspects to the game and then mold that into a winning production, whether it be Kirk, whether it be Jaron Hall, whether it be Nick Mullins, whether it be Josh Dobbs, we're winning. Yeah. He does have better surroundings, and it gives you more optimism. But just having better surroundings doesn't always mean it's going to work. And I think we need to just be cautiously optimistic. Be excited. Understand it could happen. Enjoy the ride. And if it doesn't happen, don't get yourself to a point where you're going to be crushed. That's the key. Don't allow yourself to be disappointed. All right? It's that simple. Okay? Hey, now, I just want to enjoy the season, and so far we're doing that. I know. I know you do. I want to enjoy it too. Let's talk Denver Broncos here for a few minutes, okay? They had a big game against the Buffalo Bills. They forced a bunch of turnovers. Josh Allen did some bozo stuff like Josh Allen does. Allen has his arm arrogance, okay? And when you have arm arrogance, you think you can make every throw because you can. But sometimes they don't work. And when they don't work, turnovers. And they also had some bad luck turnovers. But not all turnovers are created equal. Um, sometimes analytics will tell you that turnover luck is a real thing. And you know what? To a point, it is. But at the end of the day, if you throw it right at a DB, that's not luck. That's you're a bozo. And that's where you can kind of differentiate what what's lucky and what's you just need to fix your stuff. And they... Both got lucky, and Josh Allen needs to fix his stuff. But they scraped out a win. Uh, I think it was uh, 24-22, to and they made it work. The, the, the weird thing about this team, Russell Wilson's not very good. He just isn't. And when you look at Russell Wilson, he was good at one point. And can you? what can you extract from that? Basically, here's what this offense is. Here's your first read. If it's not there, run around. Kind of what he did in Seattle, he was a little better than that. Conceptually, it's, eh, it's not too dissimilar. Russell Wilson loved running around and, throw, and being able to throw the ball to all, all levels of the field because of what he was good at. And part of it was he's also 5'10 and 5'8, and it's hard to really see over offensive linemen. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to this question from this is harder than I thought. How can you answer if Dobbs is sustainable? Everything is just a guessing game. Let's look at the present. The eye test says he's great. That's all we need to know in the moment. 
Sure, right now is great. And it's understanding if the process is sustainable. The process and how he's going about what he's doing is sustainable. You can keep that up. That doesn't mean you will. I can. You can give me 12 ribeyes, and I can cook the first 10 of a medium rare using the same process. Well, then maybe I hit a hot spot, and one of them accidentally becomes medium well. Like That doesn't mean I'm bad. I, I just use the same process, and I got different results. That happens. Cooking them. We don't know. We don't. We don't know if he will. We don't know if he will sustain this. We don't know if he's going to be consistent. But you can have better hope that he will be consistent because he's doing this process. He is doing the right things consistently, and you can feel more comfortable comfortable about him being good for a longer period of time because he's doing it the right way. And he's doing things in a smart manner. Will he continue to do those things in a smart manner? I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that he's going to continue to utilize this process. But I feel confident in saying that if he continues this process, he will continue to be good. But it it's still variable. It's not a guarantee. Justin but it, is appreciating like that, the, the steak talk. We've had all night. Justin, I, I swear, if you like your steaks medium well or well, we're going to have to have a real conversation. And it's not going to be fun for you. <laughs> whether it be filet, whether it be, um, you know, ribeye or whatever it is, we're going to have a conversation. Uh, have you ever seen uh, that meme from uh, uh, King of the Hill? Where um, it's uh, and it's actually a clip from the show. Um, Hank pokes the steak. Oh, yep, that's perfect, medium rare. And Bobby's like, "What happens if they want it well done?" We ask them politely, yet firmly, to leave. <laughs> and we, when I worked at, uh, in kitchens, we always used to make fun of the well done steaks because, like, why are you ruining this meat? It's, no, bad, 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 bad. We did tell people that. If you ordered like our four ounce steaks, we had to cook them medium because you really can't. Oh, good. Medium rare. Thank God, Justin. We don't have to have a talk now. Um, <laughs> you don't. Like, four ounce they were almost about this big. <laughs> and they were almost impossible to cook rare or medium rare because once you sear it, it pretty much makes it medium. So we would tell people that we will try. But it's no guarantee, and if it ends up medium, like we're not remaking it because it's it's one of those things. Patrick, I know what you're doing. Don't do I it. Do too. He's trolling. Patrick wants to come on the show. We need to have another episode where we bring our members on, and Patrick wants to come on. Maybe you can debate and educate him on how steak should be cooked. And not Damn accompanied right, yeah. with ketchup. I will say, if you ever season steaks, make sure you rub the spices in. It's amazing how different it is based on just seasoning it versus actually like seasoning it and then just rubbing it into the meat really quick. It makes a massive difference. It's crazy. Um, but to finish up with the Broncos, the offense is pretty much simple. And the Vikings, like, they don't really trust Russell Wilson to do a lot. And they're going to run the ball and throw a lot of like dump offs and screens and stuff. So I think what Brian Flores is going to do is something he's done before. Five one five, five on the line of scrimmage, one linebacker, five DBs, and he's going to run that a lot. And he's going to make you go man on man and make it difficult for you to find holes. If you pat bypass the holes, then you'll have a little bit more success. But when you have guys like Metellus coming down low and be, being really good tacklers you're going to be able to curb some of that. That's how the Vikings were so successful at stopping the run against San Francisco 49ers. They're going to try to do the same thing against the Denver Broncos. Will it work? We'll find out. That's why you play the games. The games aren't played on spreadsheets. They are played on the field. But you can learn things by some of these analytical data points. And you can learn trends. You can learn how efficient you are. And those are all important parts pieces of the puzzle. Another important piece of the puzzle is that is our show tonight. Um, thank you guys very much for joining us here this evening. 
We'll have some steak talk at some point. I'll yell at Patrick for putting ketchup on his steak again. I'm sure I will. Um, that's an interesting one. I mean, brown sugar bacon works. I, I can see brown sugar steak working too. It's just a different form of meat. Uh, sweet I and savory. Barbecue, but I don't know. I have hey. my own steak recipe, which I absolutely love. So mm-hmm. that, that is, that is our show. Show for members only. Yeah, we'll we'll mess around. We'll talk about food, and I'll tell Dave why he's wrong because he probably <laughs> is. I'm just getting ahead of it. Uh, that is our show. Thank you guys very much for watching or listening. If you are on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, like, comment, ring the bell, all that fun stuff, and then also subscribe to the podcast feed. You can listen to us both. We're going to have extra stuff just for YouTube. We're going to have extra stuff just for podcasts. You're going to want to subscribe to both to make sure you get everything Vikings first in school and everything Real Forno Show. It's all going to matter, and it's all going to mean something long-term. We're going to be back Monday night uh, talking about this Broncos game. Uh, there will be some form of show on Wednesday. It may not be live, and I just want everybody to know that because it is Thanksgiving. and On Thursday. Well, Thanksgiving weekend, so it may not be live. And then we'll be the pregame show before Dub Bears on Monday I think that's the 27th, and then we'll be going into a bye week. We're going to be doing a lot of big picture stuff, and we may even delve a little bit into the NFL draft. Meantime, check us out, and the next time you'll see us, two old bloggers, Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m. Central time. You'll not want to miss it. I'm Tyler. He's Dave. Dave, but catch us on podcast because I've got a few shows that are going to drop between now and... Dave, I already said that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Not paying attention, drinking my bourbon. And for those yeah, that are well, wondering, still Austin, straight bourbon. I refreshed my uh, liquor cabinet this week, and it's wonderful. Dave, I'm going to need your daughter's phone number and email address so we can keep tabs on you. I'm a little, I'm getting a little worried. <laughs> I'm, I'm Tyler. It's been Dave. a good day. Yes, it has. And Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community, and we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.